Welcome to the True Story London podcast. I'm Michelle Toth. In this podcast, we listen to a true personal story told live at one of our shows in London, followed by a conversation with the storyteller about their background, process, story themes, and more. Today's storyteller is Osman S., telling a story about power, control, and redemption in the London comedy scene from the perspective of a young comic. Then he's in conversation with me, an old interviewer. Let's take a listen to his story recorded live at 21 Soho. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Osman. I'm, uh, I'm 19. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised too, to figure that out. Um, yeah, I woke up on my birthday and I was like, I feel like I'm going longer at this than I have. I was actually created in the lab. Uh, scientists want to make the world's first 30-year-old teenager, so... Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on SSRIs, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors, so if you don't know what that means, uh, congrats on being happy. Uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've been doing comedy about a, about a year now, almost to two days ago to a year, so... Um, Around six months into my uh, career, I met this promoter. I did his gig two weeks in a row. And uh, I used to, back then, I used to open my set like this. I used to, give me a cheer if you're in a relationship. Give me a cheer if you're single. All right, give me a cheer if you have clinical depression. All right. Thank you for cheering. There's sometimes people don't cheer, not even for fun. You know what I mean? Um so I, t- I talk openly about mental health and, and depression and these kinds of things. So I did this guy's gig two weeks in a row. And uh, the morning after the second gig, I, uh, I, I wake up and I, I, I log on to Facebook. And I see this guy drop the post. And, and the title of the post is, is Rules for, for New Comedians. And the very first rule was don't tell people you have depression and don't tell people to cheer. And first off, that's two rules, right? <laughs> That was my first thought. Um, I figured, like, this is about me. I, I, I DM'd him, and he immediately trying to, tried to save face. And he was like, you know, uh, just, you know, you, you should talk about your background, and, it, you know, talking about mental health cuts people off, and it just doesn't sound good coming from you. That, the headliner that night was, uh, was another South Asian comedian. He's a good friend of mine. But his and my styles are diametrically opposed. He, he loves to talk about his family. He does a hilarious impression of his relatives. And that's, you know, that's just not me. He says, I need to be more relatable. That, that, you know, talking about mental health, it, 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 it cuts people off and it, it, it sections off my comedy to people. It, it, it didn't make me feel good. It made me feel like shit, in fact. Uh, a lot of my comedian peers at the time follow this guy. This guy's kind of respected in that sense. That weekend, I was admitted to a mental health ward because I was a, a liability for my for my health. And slept in 26 days, 26 days, 26 hours. That'd be fucking crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, holy shit! This guy's been awake for 26 days now. Um, I hadn't taken my meds for four days. I was, I was kind of out of it. I was brought in at 8 a.m. I was given a room with a bed and a chair, and, and it felt like kind of my dorm room, but there was a window there for, for doctors to, to kind of look into. I woke up, took my meds, and, and I felt like, you know, a lot of uh, the fog had cleared off my eyes. I was brought into the common room and all the other patients, and we started to eat. 
And uh, I felt like I would almost feel at peace, but something was still bugging me. I looked around and I, I realized that everybody, every patient in this room was brown or black. It felt like a family reunion. I was like, holy shit, did people send, did my mom send me gifts and shit? No. Um, so I, there were these two people. There was this older Bangladeshi man, and then there was this younger gay black kid. And uh, they got into an argument about who wanted to sit where, and it quickly kind of got personal. The older guy goes, I don't know why you act like this. You're, 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 you're being gay makes you less than. And, and the younger guy said, you know, I'm not hurting anyone by being myself. The older guy says, you know, no one outside here wants you to act like this. The young guy says, nobody outside wants any of us to be anywhere. He says, you're bringing this, you're bringing us all down with you. This won't give you attention. So the kid goes, they, they don't care about what I am. They care about what they can take from me. I realized the, the pressure that this guy was putting on this kid just by the happenstance that he was born before him. And I, I, I kind of put two and two together and I, I figured the promoter held the same power over me, except I didn't realize that I could say, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? You know, I live in London and I, I travel around, around a lot for stand up and, and I forget that, you know, London, you know, racism isn't just like hurling slurs and blocking funding to communities and this and that. It's, it's subtle. It's, it's 24 seven. And, you know, as much as I can downplay the promoter's, uh, influence, there's a lot of people that are new to the comedy game and they, they, they don't realize that, you know, there, there could have been another young comic in my situation who would have just rolled over and, and missed out on all the opportunities that truly expressing yourself through jokes can bring. I'd rather have people laugh with me than at me. You know what I mean? That's why 10 days ago, I uh, launched my very own comedy night. It's called the Student Kitchen Comedy Club. Um, you know, it's it's for young comics. We get the we get a good tape for them. We get good pictures. They can do whatever they want. Well, maybe not whatever. These have to be funny, but um, they can do whatever they want without old, snide, resentful old cunts <laughs> pigeonholing them. And that's the story about how I got admitted to a mental health ward and how it made me a better comedian. Thank you very much. Good night. Osman, welcome to the True Story Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's uh, so nice to see you again. Yeah, likewise. I'm very happy to well, listen to the, the tape again. I haven't heard it since I did it. So, How does it sound hearing it back? I mean... I remember the structure of it because we, I mean, we put a lot of work into like building the story. So like it's, it's, I've said it to other people, um, just haven't like recorded it. Uh, so I haven't had the chance to like listen to it or anything. Well, that is something that occurred to me. I wanted to know your take on thinking about the process of taking the, the experiences you had, which stretched over a period of time and turning them into a short, a short true story. Right. What do you think you took away from that process, if anything? When you like uh, asked for me to pitch the entire story the for, for the first time, it was like very kind of all over the place, kind of by extension of it being so close to the the actual time that it happened. I still probably like hadn't thought about like every angle or like every way that I felt 
it, it's a good thing because we would have been recording for like 15 minutes if I, <laughs> if I just like went on a rant. I think just like pulling in like the, the, the core themes of, of things that people like really want to hear about, like the, the control theme and about like um, supposed power. Whereas like the, like the promoter in the story, he's like a supposed power over, over other comedians. And by, I think by extension, people think like, oh, this, this guy's confident in what he says, so he must know something, which uh, you, like you quickly realize is not the case in comedy. What is the scene in London right now for a young comedian? What's it like? There's, I, I, I'll split it into like two kind of groups where there's people, young people doing comedy. There's like people in uni or in like college or whatever. And then there's people not or like working and that kind of thing. Um, and generally the people in uni don't get enough as much time on the circuit because uh, they have less time. They're like either at uni or at lectures or that kind of thing. Um, studying doing so, that that, uh, that uni kind of thing yeah. <laughs> um i should say i am also in uni but i i i don't studying take it hard very, i don't take it <laughs> as seriously as i think i should um but uh, like there's comedians that work as well those those are the comedians that i think i would consider in my like class or graduating class they kind of started around the same time all of us kind of like got better at the same time as well now it's kind of like a weird in-between period where some people are doing straight to TV stuff and some people are doing their own little gigs like outside of London, but they're like huge in, in the area that they do them in. So that seems fast. Yeah, it is. It's strange. That's pretty exciting. Well, pe- people have like mentioned straight out of the pandemic. I think so many people were cooped up and, and wanted to say something that it was just like this influx of like comedians that were great, but like had needed to refine a lot I, of stuff. I have to agree. When I first started watching comedy after the pandemic, I was like, wow, these people have been away from the yeah. stage for a while. <laughs> it was really rough. Yeah. But my heart went out to them, but I was like, yeah. get yeah, them yeah, some yeah. stage time. As an American coming to London from New York City, my impression is that London is more hospitable to comics, that there's more of a scene here. Yeah. Is that true, do you think? Do you know any I people was, that could contrast those two? I think I, I would say so. I guess in New York, you have to get to a certain level of comedian where um, you can do kind of like five or six gigs a night, um, which a lot of comedians do because it's in like New York City. that It's such a like a dense area. Comedy clubs are not that far from Whereas each other. London is 45 minutes, yeah, exactly. no matter where you want to go. Everything is an hour away, which is uh, very tough when if you're trying no to... there's no tube strike. Exactly. Um, I would say people have told me their experiences in New York with like open mic comedy. A lot of it is like, seems to be like you kind of have to bring like five people and then you can get on stage and get five minutes or whatever. And and it's a bit, it's a bit rough. Uh, London, I feel like... There's an infrastructure here with pubs where pubs need something to put on. So they'll either they invite like a really charismatic person to to put on a comedy night or comedians will approach pubs and be like, can I run something here? Which I guess makes it more accessible for, for, for people just starting out and makes like the the names of like comedy nights more faster go, like to go around. Where like nights that started like two, three months ago are already kind of picking up pace. Nice. And, like there, there's like a real like hunger for it here, I think, which is which is nice. It's great. Something to accompany your beer. 
Yeah, exactly. So Osman, I have to tell you that your story for me as a coach and someone who helps people develop their stories is one of my favorite to reflect on. It's one of my favorite to tell because among the things I loved about it was that Yes, you were developing the story, but the story kind of developed itself, like told itself over the course of of figuring right. out what you were going to share back in November. Oh yeah, do you remember this? Like, I, yeah, I kind of do. I it's we had some long conversations. Yeah, it it was like the the plot of us writing the story was being written by another like storyteller. It's very AI. It's yeah. very AI. <laughs> we were ChatGPT before that happened. Um, <laughs> It was very much a parallel process of yeah. like getting all that content out and figuring out how to shape it. Yeah, and like I think if there's any part of like my life that's probably gonna if if it's like movie worthy, it's probably that part because it's like a it's like a parallel where I thought about starting my night maybe like two months before that, but I never really put it into action or anything like that. And then once I started writing the the story for True Story, it was like. I might as well like it's 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 the opportunity was too like open for me to not do it. At yeah, that we needed you, we needed um or a happy ending yeah. to the story. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's just been a really depressing story about me. <laughs> we doing comedy. I think, I think it was more organic than that. <laughs> Where you kind of because I think when we started out, the story had a lot to do with that experience of being in the mental health ward yeah that was big and in the story you actually told on stage obviously you told it really in a really tight way yeah noticing that scene between those two those two other men noticing the environment having some real insights there and realizing the parallel between the dynamic of the older man and the younger guy and the promoter in you like that insight that you had i thought was pretty key Again, I don't think I would have found that parallel if it wasn't for like I don't it sounds like like bad but like you pushing me to like really think about the story and what what ideas exist. Why and does that sound bad? It, no, <laughs> as in, as me. in it's cuz cuz I mean you've you've mentioned it before in like emails and stuff where it's like it is ironic that you're giving me like pointers or like tips or telling me like what which ways to go and the story is about well, partially about like Comedian promoters telling comedians which jokes they can't do and this kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. But it, but, I tried to own that in yeah, our back and forth yeah, no, and be no, like, Osman, I know <laughs> I'm the old person in this scenario and I'm giving you a lot of, yeah. of tips and no, advice but here. I, I, the, the, the thing I, I think I emailed back to you as well was like, I think, especially with a story, I trust you more and I'll, uh, f- uh, like we're we're working together, so I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm, uh, uh, <laughs> I hate you, and I'm not going to do this gig anymore or whatever. Do you remember by the end of it, you were like, I think I got what I needed out of this. I don't even, I don't even have to do the show. <laughs> I was like, Osmond, you are doing the show. No, no. <laughs> I was still adamant to do the show, but I was like, oh, I feel so great. This is like breakthroughs that even therapy doesn't doesn't give you. You know what I mean? I was just there. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> I love that about storytelling. Like when you're telling your own story yeah. for an audience, it's kind of key. It's different from journaling, right? Yeah. Because you have to think about how the other person, the third person exactly. is going to experiencing yeah, yeah, yeah. it, experience it. I love that part of the where the light bulbs go off. Yeah. And like you said, like story, just thinking about it and, and bringing it all into like a streamlined five, six minute story for better or for worse, you can kind of like 
put it in this box and be like, all right, this is, this is my experience at that time. This is what I learned. And, and I'm not going to complicate things by thinking about like other stuff in that time period. This is just what I learned and this is what I'm going to take from it. So now you are in the promoter role. So the really natural question is, how is it going with the Student Kitchen Comedy Club? It's going well. It's going well. Uh, We've just, like, I think we've just finished our third uh, show. So we did one in November. That was our opening night. And that was, like, overwhelmingly big success. Like, a lot of our friends came out. We were so happy to see them. And then January, we were back. I guess it's 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 a weird thing because the November one we had to sell on like, oh, it's our first show. So everybody come down, blah, blah, blah. The January one, it was a day before my birthday. So we were like, oh, come down for my birthday. And, and we kind of like, it's like a weird marketing oh, trick. D- oh, done that. That's how we started True Story. <laughs> you will notice True Story's birthday is Michelle's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was our like marketing pitch. was yeah. like, we're just going to sell this on my birthday. Exactly. Um, and People and, show up for people's birthdays. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the, the latest one, March 3rd, it was the first one where we didn't have like a safety net of like, we, we can sell it on something. And we were a bit scared, uh, but, but it, it turned out pretty well as well. That was our best one so far, I think. I'm really like glad with the like the people that we've curated for the show. Like I, I kind of like took like some notes from like you guys what you do at like True Story and, and Twenty One Soho and stuff like that, where they curate such like specific and interesting voices. A lot of comedians will like get on my back about like not booking them or not like whatever because I see them a lot. But it's 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 a lot of the time it's that thing of like if they if they have like something that I haven't seen anywhere else on the circuit, then I'm absolutely going to get them on. And, and if it's not this show, then it'll be the next one. And it'll be like one after we've been like chasing people since November to get them on. And we've just now got them on in March. So it's like that weird thing where we'll, we'll, we'll welcome whoever has like that hunger to, to be funny, but we look out more for like comedians that, have like an interesting point of view on something or an interesting like story to to tell rather than just the first people that sign up to the form. That sounds amazing. I of course will never know because <laughs> I'm not allowed to come. <laughs> no, no, no. Young people comedy for young people, right? By young people. <laughs> By okay, young people. <laughs> so we made a big clerical error when writing <laughs> when writing that tagline because it was uh, the Eventbrite wanted something like short and like like snappy or whatever and we were like it's fine let's just do this young people thing or whatever we initially did students and then we were like oh that cuts off even more people because a lot lot of young people are not students um i want nothing more than than to support you but i'm like am i really not allowed to go no 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 no. so we we made like this like uh a kind of parody video of like us in 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 a room and we were like can young can old people come to the show and you defined old people as 27 That's the that's like the most like mind boggling thing is like we we tried to make it so clearly like satire and we like we built it up being like don't come to the show if you're old we're gonna call the police on you and we're gonna do all this stuff and and then people still were like DMing us being like are you serious about that like are you are we are we really gonna like this is a sign of people's age paranoia like you really worry as you get older if you're if you're like acting too young right. 
I've kind of gotten over that myself because yeah. I have so many young friends. And yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing where we tell like comedians as well uh, when we put up f- like forms for the open spots in the middle of our show. It's pitched as like we're looking for comedians that can play a young crowd. We've had people on that are like old, you know, like quote unquote. <laughs> Um, I like your air quotes, but they, <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but like they they play so well to a young crowd, and they don't care about like coming on and doing like a TikTok reference or whatever. The way I define it, it's like harder to tell comedians, but a lot of comics are old, but if they have that empathy in them <laughs> to 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 just. Like <laughs> This is terrible. This is a terrible advertisement for for our night. But um, <laughs> come to our show. It's not. It's a welcoming. Like it's a welcoming environment. I mean, that's the thing. It 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 would be like off brand for us if we turned away old people. You know what I mean? It it would be like terrible for our marketing, and it w- just d- won't f- wouldn't fit like our our whole vibe. You know what I mean? Um, it sounds like you have a really awesome vibe where <laughs> you're like basically featuring young voices but interesting diverse voices with yeah. really with something to say yeah and that you're open to a wide range of people being part of it yeah but nice to have older people listening like doing the listening oh, to a yeah. lot of the comics and then having the the he- headliner or a slot for yeah. someone who maybe has more experience i mean but that that's as long the, as they're that's engaged, the setup of the yeah. night i think is like having someone who is experienced but can play a young crowd really well and then everything in between that is like kind of people who were basically me last year. Osman, this sounds amazing what you're creating for people and I'm wondering being in this role, this promoter role, this nurturer of other talent, when you're still early in your own comedy career, what's the benefit of that for you? How does it, how has it affected you? Because I, you know, we met several months ago. Yeah we're talking now and it's amazing to hear the way you're thinking about this, right? how generous it sounds, like what a cool vibe. I think being in the position now and especially like telling the story, I think if I, if I hadn't like reflected on the story in the way that I did in this, in the recording, I don't know if I would have the same like outlook on my night as I do now. Well, I don't give people like unsolicited like advice. You know what I mean? I'm not like, your set was terrible or like it's uh, one joke didn't work. I'm like, you're going to do great. Do like you have to give them like the confidence. So they themselves believe that they can do, uh, they can do well. It's again, it's that thing where people like uh, DM us being like, Oh, I don't know if I can do like a student night. And it's, it's always the thing of like, don't look at it as a student night. Just look at it as a night where, a lot of young people are there. A lot of students are there, but they're just there to laugh. They're they're not there wanting people to acknowledge it is a student night. That's just the name of it. A lot. Uh, well, we got really lucky with the pub as well because it's a student pub. It's opposite uh, a business school, so it's like a lot of people's local pub. And tell they'll us, come what in. Is, tell us what's it called? Uh, the castle, the castle uh, in Whitechapel, and it's it's just that kind of thing where in the area, I think there's so many posters up that it's kind of built that reputation of like. Oh, this is a thing that every month you we can go and do. And I've seen people like looking at the poster like ten seconds after I put it up, and then them like taking a picture and that kind of thing, which is like exciting to just see. It's like a direct translation of your hard work into tangible success. You know what I mean? By them take even just not even coming to the show, but just by taking a photo and like sending it to their friends, that's like 
what I deem as like, okay, this is, this is on a good track. This is like going to be hopefully a successful night. So Osman, what's next for you? Well, we've, we made it a goal to do, I think, 12 shows this year or under Student Kitchen. So we might, whether or not it is like a monthly thing, we'll try and like fit at least 12 inside the year. We might bring it to like like a, a mini festival or something. And also like by extension, build the, the, the brand of the show in like different parts. Because right now it is very concentrated to London. And I like that because London, it's like a moving city. Everybody's always on the move and it's like a very happening thing but i think getting the name out there and getting like people to to recognize it and recognize like uh, the look of the show and what it is it is so fun to hear you talk about the way you're thinking about your show and right. how how supportive it is and i can imagine people love being a part of it and love listening yeah i mean all comedians will know this like at some point your friends are tired of listening to you do the same bit so like actually working hard and and getting out there and and flyering and and also like me uh and bella being out there by ourselves kind of helps a lot because it's we're running the show people take flyers from us they'll see us at the show it's not like a we're not like being paid by uh people to to flyer and that kind of thing this is something we learned and we were always prioritizing with true story right. was how do we think less about audience more about community right right so that people felt like this is for them yeah. and would love to see them again and again yeah. and again it's a little different with comics who themselves have a hard time because they're off gigging right right that's a little different from what we find with our storytellers who can, most of them can come back and, right. and be at a show, be at all of our shows. Right. But with, that's why you need the non-comic old people yeah, to I come mean, to your that's, shows. So this, this is a call out for everybody. <laughs> Everyone's young at heart. This is, again, we, we're going to have to do more videos on it, but like we got to show that ourselves. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You want to show the, open inclusiveness exactly. that you sought by creating the show exactly. in the first place. Osman, it is so great to see you again. Thank you very really, much for having me. Absolutely. Really, really nice to hear what, you, what you've been up to, how well things are going, and just wish you the very best. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. For more information about today's story and conversation, see the show notes at truestorylondon.com. And if you like what we're doing and want to sponsor us, you can do that on our website too. The True Story London podcast is hosted by me, Michelle Toth. Our producer is Ellis Ballard. Our theme music is by C-Noise. Live recordings were provided by Laughing Around and recorded at 21 Soho. And just one more thing. Please subscribe and rate us at your favorite podcast platform. It really does help, especially since we're a new podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you for another episode soon.